Hello and welcome to Footsteps, a podcast hosted by High Desert United Methodist Church in Rio Rancho, where our mission is loving God, serving others, changing lives. Today I'm here with Lisa to discuss God's amazing grace. In Romans 3, 21-26, the Apostle Paul bluntly tells us, But now, apart from the law, the righteous of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short to the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that comes from Jesus Christ. God presents Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Those can be kind of hard words to hear at times. Most of us feel like we are, yeah, we're pretty good. Who wants to hear that we're following short of God's glory? How great and complete is God's grace? Today, let's discuss the author of a very famous hymn. His life demonstrates the completeness of God's grace. The author is John Newton, and the song is, of course, Amazing Grace. The first verse goes like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Let's explore his life and see what he means by a wretch like me. Lisa, can you tell us about John's childhood? John was born in 1725. His father was a sailor and largely absent. His mother wanted him to be a preacher, but he died from TB when John was six or seven. His father was off sailing, so John was taken in by family friends, the Cartlets. When John's father remarried, the stepmother was emotionally distant, and John was sent to a strict boarding school, which did not go well. At 11, he was apprenticed on his father's ship. It did not go well. He was headstrong and disobedient, so much that he was sent to the Royal Navy. Well, this didn't go well either. He deserted to visit Mary Polly Cartlett. When caught, he was flogged and demoted. The Navy transferred him to a slaving ship. In the next verse... John speaks of God's grace for a wretch like him. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How 
precious did that grace appear. The hour I first believed. John's life was not a straight line. On the slaving ships, he caused trouble again. He mocked the captain, which is not thought of highly on ships, and wrote poems and songs to share with the crew that would mock the captain. He got in disputes with his shipmates. In short, he ended up in chains, being starved to death, and given to a slave trader in Sierra Leone, where he was again treated badly. In 1748, a captain friend of his father found him in Sierra Leone and freed John. Have you ever heard of the saying that something is so bad that it would make a sailor blush? Well, that was John. The captain described John as the most profane person that he had ever known. On the return trip to England, they encountered a storm that would nearly scuttle the ship. A sailor was swept overboard where John had recently stood. John lashed himself to a pump to help remove the water. He told the captain, If this will not do, then the Lord have mercy. Later, he stood at the wheel for 11 hours. During his 11 hours at the wheel, he reflected on his life. He had mercilessly mocked others for their faith, denounced God as merely a myth. He came to believe, though, that God had sent him a profane message. So the next verse goes, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. His grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Lisa, what happened next to John? This was not an immediate conversation. John continued to work in the slave trade and captained his own ship. In 1750, he married Polly and continued as a captain. It's unclear as to how much he had changed. He cleaned up his language and required that the slaves be treated humanely. After three more trips, his conscience got the better of him. At the age of 30, he collapsed in port and never returned to sailing, even on a non-slave trading ship. In 1756, he taught himself Greek and Latin. In 1758, he petitioned the archbishop for ordination, but was refused. He did not give up. And in 1764, the Bishop of Lincoln ordained him for Olney, a small town of 2,500 of mostly illiterate and poor parishioners. His preaching was unique. He spoke of his life's experiences. His messages were unpolished, but his devotion and conviction were unmistakable. He was much loved and the church grew. He was acquainted with John Wesley and started weekly prayer meetings. Bruce, tell us about the writing of Amazing Grace. 
So the next verse goes, Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail, and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. Amazing Grace was written in the 1770s and is an excellent example of his testimonial style. In January of 1773, he preached on the necessity of experiencing gratitude for God's guidance, even though we may not always be aware of it at the time. We need patience for the deliverance from the daily trials of life, for the glory of the eternity that awaits us. He noted that unconverted sinners were blinded by the gods of the world until mercy came to us, not only undeserved, but undesired. Our hearts endeavored to shut him out till he overcame us by the power of his grace. You couldn't ask for more of a testimonial about John's life. In 1789, John met William Weberforth, who was a member of Parliament, and convinced him to work for abolition. John published an essay, Thoughts Upon the African Slave Trade, explaining the poor treatment of the slaves and the inhumanity of the trade. The law was finally passed in 1804. Although John was blind, he continued to preach until the last year of his life. He died in 1807. And now for the last hymn, which speaks of the glory of God that we will be receiving. When we bend ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. As wretched as John's life had been, despite being a sailor that could make another sailor blush, and despite mocking others for their faith, God's grace was waiting for him. If God's grace is that big, he can surely have enough grace even for each of us. As always, we want to thank you for listening to Footsteps. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it with your family and friends. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at footsteps.hdumc at gmail.com. Of course, if you are in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, we invite you to join us in person at High Desert UMC. If you are unable to join in person, watch us online at highdesertumc.org. We pray that God richly blesses your life.